Hey, what's going on? My name is Doug Cunnington and welcome to The Doug Show. I am gonna be talking with a friend of mine, Mark Mars from Niche Website Builders. And we're gonna talk about industry trends today and some observations that he's had while he's running his agency over there. They do content and they do some link building activities, handful of other things as well. And I'm excited to uh, chat with Mark and find out what's going on in his world. Mark, how are you today? I'm very good, Doug. Yeah, very well. Enjoying the sunshine for a change. A little bit hot, but luckily I'm, I'm kitted out with some air conditioning, so all good. Yeah, and you, you work in the um, your home office there, right? So you, you actually get quite a bit of – I mean, the lighting's good. I, coming from, uh, you know, you're in the UK. I wasn't expecting you to have well lit. I thought it's cloudy there all the time, but you actually got some summer <laughs> over there going on. It is. I mean, it's getting dark now because it's like uh, quarter past nine at night. But like, yeah, I've got like um, big, like double French doors, like a couple of skylights. And then like, I've got the, the lighting for the podcast as well. So I've got it all going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like coming from everywhere. Real professional. <laughs> yeah. I'm down here in the dungeon basement uh, studio. So it's dark. There's no windows and any lighting you see here is completely artificial. So, well, let's get into the real meat and potatoes here. I do want to open up with some current events. So we are going to be talking industry trends, but uh, at the time we're speaking right now, as we're recording this, Google has recently rolled out some of their core web vitals update in June. There's going to be a second wave as it were coming out in July as well. So what do you think about it, Mark? Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a scramble um, on to, I mean, somebody's doing well out of, um, out of uh, you know optimizing sites for core speed at the moment, there's the it's quite quite a good business. I'd imagine it was uh, to be in, but uh, yeah, I mean there's there is there does seem to be a mad scramble to to if everyone to kind of get their spot site speed up. And, and I guess my view on this is that you know it's probably overcooked. It's probably something that you know people are overduly worrying about. It's not something that I'm particularly worrying about. There's there's plenty of reasons to have good site speed, and that was before. Google even mentioned Core Web Vitals before we even knew that was a thing. Now, for example, you know, just from a good user experience, if a page doesn't load quickly, then somebody's going to press back in the browser and they're going to they're going to jump off. And you know, for all those reasons, if the if the page doesn't the, the site loads, but the page doesn't become interactive for a few seconds, again, people are just going to get frustrated and, and come off the. So there's plenty of reasons to to have good page speed, and that's something that you know we you know everyone should have been looking at ahead of core web vitals in any case. So, you know, my view is that, you know, if you can't get green across all the core web vitals, don't worry about it. You know, if it's, if it's pretty good and it's fast enough, then that, that's most likely going to be good. And, you know, the fact is this isn't going to be like a, you know, there's hundreds literally of ranking factors that go into, you know, the algorithm, you know, this is just going to be one of them. So let, let's put it into perspective. It's not going to be, the, the end of the world is it's going to be a ranking factor amongst all of the other ranking factors and probably a reasonably small one. So yeah, my view is you know, it, calm down. Don't worry about it. It's, it's going to be okay. Do you have a benchmark as far as site load time that you find acceptable? So we've spoke kind of in general out generalities so far so yeah is it like under five seconds under three seconds what, what what do you gauge is fast enough i think it depends how you measure it as well right because the machines kind of measure it one way like as a human we'd measure it another way like we we see a page load and we think it's loaded and but 
especially if you've got ads on the page and they pop in later, like, you know, generally with the ad networks these days, the, the page is active and we can start scrolling around it. And then the ads keep sort of start dropping in after. So I don't have a particular kind of speed in mind, like for, and it depends which, which thing we're talking about for speed here. But like, you know, if, if you can get uh, it to Amber kind of on the core web vitals, then that's good. If you can get it to a decent in the score in the eighties in, in GT metrics or something similar, then you're probably, you're, that's probably good enough um, for, for a human. Um, and therefore, you know, I, pretty i would say good enough for call web vitals i mean i guess what you've got to consider is like what what your competitors doing so you know if all your competitors haven't bothered or, or don't even know about call web vitals because that's not their game like they're not they're not seos maybe then if you're already the fastest site out there then why why win by a huge distance when you can win by a small distance like by spending a lot of time or money you know, optimizing your site even further so you know, on the other hand, if all of you, if, if all of your competitors have optimized for core web vitals, maybe you do want to think about it a little bit more and pay some money to get it done. But again, I still wouldn't, let's just wait and see, you know, I don't think it's going to drop off a cliff. Like let's get some data once, once these things kick in and we'll see and take it from there. I agree with uh, pretty much all, all you said there. I think people have really gone overboard in some ways. And I guess it depends on who you're hanging out with and the information you're consuming. I shelter myself pretty well. So I know it's out there, but generally my sites load pretty quick and I'm not too worried, even though I don't have like all greens everywhere. In fact, I'm a little puzzled why in, in some areas I don't have green because my sites do load pretty fast. And if you use say the Google PSI tool, the page uh, speed insight tool. It may give you great numbers, but then you go in the actual user experience in the search console and you may see, uh, you know, some warnings or the orange color, wh whatever. So yeah, don't have your site load the slowest of all your peers. Just make, make sure you're not the slowest and you'll be okay. It's like when a yeah. bear is chasing, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your friends. That's right. All right. <laughs> cool. So let's get into some of the other details. And this is kind of from the front lines out there running your agency. So I didn't let you uh, give a, a proper intro, but you know, who are you? What do you do over at Niche Website Builders? And how'd you get into this stuff? Yeah. So I'm Mark Miles, one of the co-founders at Niche Website Builders uh, with my my partner, Adam Smith. We run uh, a digital agency for content publishers. We also build our own website. So we kind of you know, we're in, in the weeds. We do this stuff. We test stuff on our own sites. So we're, you know, we're working and learning and kind of feeding that stuff into our agency. And also now we work with you know, hundreds of clients. So we get to see kind of a lot of data and we can kind of feed that into our clients. But in short, you know, we do, we do content, we do link building, um, or we do shotgun skyscraper link building and guest posts and niche edits. Um, on the content side, we do kind of full to end to end service. So we'll do keyword research, niche selection, the writing, the uploading, inserting affiliate links if that's what's needed. And we also do done for you site builds. So um, they are generally built uh, to order. So we don't have any kind of pre built sites. We, uh, we take whatever niche that you're interested in, or if you want help with that, we can help with that. And I guess the last piece of the puzzle is we work a lot with expired domains. So We've had great success in our own portfolios, but also now working with clients uh, with expired domains. So we offer a domain 
uh, expired domain sourcing service where we'll go out and find a domain uh, for you. It's, if you've got a specific niche in mind, depending how niche it is, it might be it might take a while to find something. But generally, we we go out and find any domains that we think are really good that pass our due diligence that we think would make great uh, sites for a content publisher and 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 we sell them on our site. So we sell them generally as a, as a package. So they come with an expired domain, a site build, and a hundred thousand words generally, um, just to get things you know, kicked off and get things started. So yeah, we've that, that's pretty much pretty much covers it. Awesome, very good. So let's get into some of these industry trends and just in a general sense, what's new? What's new out there? Is affiliate marketing dead? For example. <laughs> so yeah, so I think. Yeah, one of the one of the things that's definitely people are definitely moving more towards, you know, my opinion, like oh, oh, we're seeing it around just generally that people are moving more towards building info sites. And whether that's building sites, info sites purely and that and that's it, and, and just stepping away from affiliate. There's there's some people that are kind of doing that, or or whether just starting from the start of a site, just working on the lowest hanging fruit, which would be informational content versus affiliate con content generally. And there's a number of reasons kind of why, why people, why this is happening. I think it's becoming more saturated out there in terms of affiliate niches. There's just more people and more competition. So it's hard, you know, it's just getting harder and harder to rank. And I'm not saying it's impossible. And like, there's always generally within a niche, there's generally an angle that you can go for you know it really depends kind of what starting place you're starting with whether you're starting with a new domain or an expired domain but there's generally something you can go for of course there's the product review update from uh, google which you know is a is sort of targeting affiliate sites or low quality affiliate sites so that kind of uh, is a challenge the amazon commission rates a lot of people use amazon so that's coming down so and also you know the last things that you know ad, ad networks are just becoming more viable as a, as a source of income they uh, you know, historically, ten years ago, it'd be hard to make any money really from ads, but now they're becoming better and better, and you can make you know a decent income from just ads alone. So, definitely not saying affiliates dead, uh, but it's kind of you know it becomes part of the mix, and definitely people are focusing more from what I'm seeing and, I, and what I'm doing myself with my own portfolio is that you know I'm working more with info content, just just ranking, building up a whole banker traffic um, before even stepping into kind of other monetization um, strategies. So uh, the goal is just to get it on the Zoic or Mediavine or whatever as quick as possible, uh, start getting some ad income and then, and then uh, look at where we're expanding from there. Yeah. And shout out to Ezoic who recently removed the page view minimum. So it used to be 10,000 and they were one of the, you know, lowest barriers to entry, even though, you know, they have a great network and it's a good company to work with. So they, they've removed that. So now any publisher can come in and I, I've mentioned it a few times before the advertisers want to get in front of people. They don't care if your site gets, you know, a hundred views or a hundred thousand views per month. They just want to get their ads in front of the right people. So from a advertising standpoint, it makes sense for everyone. And now, you know, Ezoic has opened that up for any publisher that wants to get on board. So now I've even done this myself too, where uh, I have a site and it was getting more traction in the informational area. So I've leaned into that more. And like, like you said, 
as Amazon had, you know, they changed their commission rate again in April 2020. So that made people pause again. It cut commissions for the people that were already earning from Amazon. So the market's shifting a little bit. And I think, but I can't remember if we said this in our last interview, Mark, but I know if you have traffic, usually you could figure out something to do with it. So the mar- the market, us as publishers are sort of shifting to that area. So yeah. it's it sounds like um, when people come in and they ask for content then, right? So they'll, they'll order content and they'll say, oh, we want mostly informational content. Is that what's happening? That's your data? Yeah, there's, there's still a mix, but we're kind of leading people down that path as well. Um, you know, we, as an agency, we, we're not just a, a kind of, you know, order hands off kind of service and kind of, you get it back via an email, you know, we, we, you know, every client that we have, we kind of have an onboarding call and we talk to to, to you regularly. So, you know, if you like, it's kind of free consultancy or free, uh, you know, uh, advice or, you know, it's, 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 it's a conversation like this quite often. It's like, you know, depending on how experienced is the person that we're speaking to, you know, we kind of throw some ideas around and kind of come up things. So, we're very much involved in in the day to day of people and growing their sites. You know, we're kind of leading them quite often down that path. We've we've got our FAQ content service now, which is kind of really working well for uh, for informational content as well. So for up for uh, optimizing existing, or, or should I say, refreshing existing posts, FAQ kind of content's really good. We're definitely seeing a trend amongst our clients anyway of people taking that service on. Um, because they're seeing the value in it, and and also, you know, once we've kind of done a little bit of content, they're kind of seeing the results, and they're kind of uh, doing some more. So, yeah, I would. I can't remember the original question, but uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So the yeah is it, is it, are we generally seeing more info? Yes, we are, and um, yeah, across across the board, and um, yes, we, in in general, we are. But as I say, we're generally leading people in that direction as well. Quite often, even if it's an affiliate site, we're looking at trying to. Uh, to work with like 50 50 in terms of info and uh and affiliate content okay as a as a minimum got it and do you have any tips for people that are approaching maybe they haven't started their site yet or they're they're just about to start publishing content maybe f- they're still finding the keywords for example and they do want to lean more into the informational area so uh, I'll give you two parts. You can answer one or both of them. One is, do you have any you know tips on f- finding those keywords? And then the other is, is there a particular way you like to structure that informational content? That's a common question I get. How do, how do I write a, an article? What do I do? How, how do I format it? So in terms of, we're finding something that's working really well for us, especially in terms of uh, working with an expired domain. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but we uh, are using a method that is getting great results. And I can share some of the results I've been getting with one of my sites uh, in a little while, if you'd like. But um, the way that we're working is we kind of use some tools to work out who your competitors are. And we kind of get a big list of competitors and we use a bunch of uh, different industry metrics, such as uh, you know, domain authority, page authority, uh, domain rating, um, trust flow, all of those things. And we kind of, uh, quite simply, we just multi- add them together. And that kind of gives us a number at the end. And it kind of gives us a rough idea of, in terms of authority, like where you exist in in your world, in your landscape. So what sites are doing well and above you or, or, or higher authority than you and which sites are lower authority than you. 
And then we're taking all of those sites that are lower authority to us and checking out you know, what keywords is it that they're ranking for. This is, isn't necessarily just info content, info articles. It could be anything. But we're, we're taking a look at where all their traffic's coming from. So we're, we, we then take the best articles, if you like, the best uh, ranking articles or the best keywords and saying, well, if they can rank for it with a low authority site and getting a lot of traffic, then we should be able to. And really what this comes down to is, you know, when you're writing a lot of content and you put it on a site and you do tr traditional kind of keyword research, you know, you're going to find that a bunch of those articles just don't rank and, or, or, and never will rank. And, you know, we, we talk about 80% um, of your traffic coming from 20% of your content. And that's really, that's, that's really true. But what we're finding is that we can get better results and have more than 20% of that content ranking because we, th those people that are below us in terms of authority have already done that hard work for us. So they've done all the research. They put all the content out. They've seen which keywords and which uh, they can rank for. And then we're going, okay, great. We see that you can rank for that. We'll take the top 20 pages from that site, the top 20 pages from that site, top 20 pages from that site, top 20 pages, and then kind of build a, a key, a, a plan around those keywords. And um, it's getting us uh, like really, really good results kind of doing it that way. And um, I'll keep trying to uh, tell Adam that we need to come up with a fancy name for that, for this technique, right? So I, I've got a name, which I'm going to, I'll tell you what it is now. It's called um, tombstoning, right? So, so tomb, no, tombstoning, is that right? No, tomb raiding, not tombstoning, tomb raiding. So yeah, I haven't got it right myself yet. So the idea is that, you know, we tomb, you know, tomb raiders, they would go and like find all the jewels in the tomb. So if you think of a website as a tomb, you're going to find all of the jewels that are right, kind of in those websites and the ones that you can kind of just cherry pick out and kind of get ranking. So that's working like really well for us. And um, yes, getting, getting some really good results. Awesome. Yeah, that is a great tip to look at all the metrics across the board from the different tools, and then you add them up and you get that single number. I have a suggestion with the, the tomb rating. I think that's probably copywritten because there's a video game or something like that. So, <laughs> well, Tomb Raider, Tomb Raiding was around before Tomb Raider, right? So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's a different, obviously a different industry. So you may be able to get yeah. away with it, but uh, from a trademark perspective you may have to uh and you also have to explain it too so yeah. although that's true good good explanation you could have a little cartoon or something like that you probably heard me talk about the ezoic site speed accelerator which is being retired and it is being replaced by leap L-E-A-P. And depending on when you listen to this episode, it might be out already or it could be on the way. So here are some fast facts about Leap. Number one, it is free and Ezoic is replacing the SiteSpeed Accelerator with Leap prior to the Google UX update. Leap will be completely free when using Ezoic's monetization. That is the ad tester, and Leap includes all the features and tools needed to achieve good core web vitals. And I'm reading the copy here. Good is italicized, so maybe I would use air quotes. I'm not 100% sure what good means, but it's definitely not bad, and it's positive. So it's going to be helpful for your core web vitals. Leap is the new 
tool set, a new tool set to uncover and fix the root causes of poor load times. And Ezoic will provide data on how various technologies and hosts affect all sites. So there's going to be a lot of cool data. You can sign up to uh, be notified. I think it's pretty easy to get to. It's um, link in the description. All right. I'm not going to read out a, a link here, but you can sign up to be notified and you can start using it right away. If you're using Ezoic, you'll be able to, you know, hook right in. Now, check out Ezoic Leap. Thanks for sponsorship. And uh, if you're not using Ezoic, if you've never checked it out, if you're not quite sure, go have a look at the blog. There's tons of great information. And I really like working with the folks at Ezoic. Let's get back to the interview. That's fantastic. I've heard it mentioned in uh, some different criteria and different ways to look at it, but that is a trend that I've seen people go for low competition keywords and the ways to find them. Now, the part two of that, I will, I'll ask it because I know it'll be helpful for people. How do you structure the content for informational topics? I guess we do kind of some kind of correlation generally in terms of once we found those low hanging fruits in terms of our competitors, uh, um, Keywords, then, you know, we're looking at kind of how they're structuring this. There, so we're not necessarily uh, trying to. It's not a consistent thing. I guess is what I'm saying. Every single time, depending on the niche, depending on the topic, the what would be a good article uh, or an article that's likely to rank could be different every time. But what we we do generally try to do, and that's it's across our affiliate sites and across uh, affiliate content and info content, it's kind of add some of those FAQs is like great for topical relevance. You know, if, if Google thinks people are searching for this or thinks knows people are searching for these topics, these questions within a topic area, then if you can kind of answer a bunch of those questions and kind of, um, and then you, then you're likely to, you know, get gain some topical relevance for that. So that's something that we're doing uh, quite often, but in terms of informational content, it really depends. <laughs> like, it, 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 at the end of the day, it's a load of text with headings, right? Generally, some images. So, yeah. Right on. And the perfect answer to that question. Thanks for going along with it. That's a tough question because I get it often. And generally, I just say, well, you're writing an essay. So it's it's a lot of times I'll hear this from people that have never published content. Maybe they haven't been in school in a while, but you're literally just writing an essay. So you can, a person could go, study how to write an essay, but, but really, I mean, like you said, you're, you have a keyword, you're covering a topic. It's going to be different for different sorts of topics. If it's in how, how to article, like how to unclog your toilet or something like that, you know, maybe there's a step-by-step. We've we've written that one. (laughs) Right. It's (laughs) a critical problem to solve. Yeah. If you have that problem, you need that information. Yeah. Images, right? Some graphic images for how to unclog your toilet, perhaps. But <laughs> the, the the point the point is, um, it's going to be different. But it is a super common question that I get is, you know, how, how do we format it? And and I know when I first was publishing some content on my sites, when I first got started, I didn't know what to put on there, so I I was really struggling to hit four hundred words way back. So awesome, yeah. Okay. Anything else on your mind as far as content goes? 
Yeah, I guess so. Just uh, what I was alluding to before, like this, um, it's definitely kind of a, a trend towards using expired domains. You know, we've got marketplaces popping up for expired domains. You know, for ourselves, you know, we we source and buy and then sell kind of domains. But that combination of um, expired domains and then low hanging like informational content, and then you know finding yourself in that line of authority kind of landscape and then picking the, the people below works really well because you've already got some authority if you're starting at the bottom you're at the bottom there's nobody below you but we're getting some really like good results and just to give you an example of a site that i'm working on at the moment i started at the end of december like around christmas time and that's so less than six months old and i got an, i got uh, picked up an expired domain. i chose the niche first and then then got an expired domain so it was the only one that i could find that would fit it but it was it was about it's, it's around about dr12 so it's nothing huge but it's like aged it's been around for not a long period of time either but like six or seven years they are 12 and um just started putting content on it um because you know i didn't need to build any links it's already got some inherent value there in terms of links and um yesterday was its biggest day it's been growing every day and it's it's a it was 4100 uh sessions yesterday so a that run rate are about 120,000 uh, sessions a month. And it's only going up because I'm just piling lots of content on. So I had a look before the call. So I think it's about 450,000 words I've got at the moment, over about 250 articles. So it's about 1,800 words an article on average, but that's kind of all I really needed. And um, But it's if I stop now, like all of that content that I'm putting on is still going to age. So I expect it to be well over 150, 160,000 maybe even as much as 200,000 just with the content that I've got as it ages over the next kind of six months or so. So, um, but I'm not stopping. I mean, I'm just, I'm just keeping going. Like I'm onto a winning thing. So, um, right. Yeah. And I'll just highlight that again. So it was a DR 12. So it just has a handful of links of relatively low, um, authority and domain rating. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was semi-good links in there, I suppose. So it was a low domain rating, but the links it was a it was a failed Kickstarter campaign. This this so it did have some kind of new like high authority kind of news links because it was newsworthy at one point in time for its Kickstarter project. And it's got a few of those in there, which is you know not something that we kind of look for quite often with our mm-hmm. domains. Um so but yeah, but it wasn't many, and then the rest of which kind of just that kind of mid to low authority links. So yeah, DL12. It's it's got like 80 referring domains or something, you know. You picked the niche beforehand and then you waited for a domain to become available, show up on your radar. How'd you pick the niche? It was, it's an informational content. So it's all informational content at the moment. So um, I'm finding lots, I'm, I'm looking for lots of opportunities where I can write a lot of content, a lot of informational content. So the site could be huge. But, you know, doing some research to find out, you know, just how difficult it would be to rank for these. So I'm quite liking the idea at the moment of doing kind of dictionary type websites. So by that, I mean, you know, you could have stuff put into categories. So, for example, let me think. um, Like an affiliate marketing dictionary. How about that? Yeah, something like that. It could be an affiliate marketing dictionary. I was trying to, I was trying to think of one that wasn't one of the ones that I've started. <laughs> so that was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, uh, yeah, so something like that might be good. So you, you'd have maybe, you know, all the things that begin with A and all the things that begin with C and B and C and D. But, you know, it, it kind of goes beyond that. It doesn't have, it wouldn't necessarily, we're not just talking about individual words here. 
but yeah, for, yeah. For example, if I think you know, think of like plants, just looking in like in the background here. So like plants, like you have all different, all sorts of different plants with different names. How do you look after them? How do you, you know, all those things that kind of come with that, and and that you can kind of put into like a big dictionary or a glossary, and and, and kind of that's how kind of I'm thinking about it. But um, one thing that we're always thinking about as well is kind of how is you know how can we take this further and to be some a real genuine business kind of longer term as well so you know could i move into e-commerce or drop shipping later on you know people are passionate about plants can i get like a mailing list together and then have like a a course or you know there's, there's lots of things that you know and you know the plants one's actually quite good because there's lots of different examples of ways that you could kind of go uh longer term with that it's kind of like you could do it for beer and uh, Doug, like for your, like you know the your interest or like you know or wine or or kind of whatever you could kind of go down that route as well. But this for those kind of things that people are like get passionate about, of like beer brewing and stuff like that. People are super passionate about that. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands, of things topics that people talk about in terms of brewing and mm-hmm. different types of beer and all those kind of things. So. Once you start thinking about it, and once you start, there's just no shortage. Like where we have a shortage, we feel sometimes of options in the affiliate world. You could write on so many different things when it comes to like informational content. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's like the beer example, you could go and I mean, there are websites where people put in their tasting notes, it's user generated content, but there's a huge amount of it, lots of traffic. There's apps and all sorts of other details behind it. And yeah, exactly. Like you said, you can have online courses with it, or you could be an affiliate for those courses. There's tons of opportunities. So, okay. So how, how, you, go how are you going about finding your, your info content, Doug? So are you using a KGR a lot to do that uh, these days? Or like, what, what are you doing in terms of, yeah, finding your info content? A lot of... A combo of several things. So KGR a little bit, but oftentimes I'm looking for uh, auto, like Google auto suggest things. Generally, I have a pretty good idea like what sites are ranking for already and what or what my site is ranking for already. And then I'll look to just really exhaust that area. So if it, you know, we'll stick with the beer area. If I was doing really good with um, like a, specific Belgian beer, like a triple, maybe I think, oh, you know what? I'm going to do all the Belgian beers that I can find and just re- like mm-hmm. Google likes it in that topic area. I'm just going to hammer it down uh, that specific one. And then if possible, it's not always possible, but if I can go to say like YouTube and see that it's a very to- like popular topic, YouTubers are covering it, but they're not, it's it's not really out there in the written word. Maybe that's a good topic. Now, if it's something visual where you really need the video behind it, of course, that's not going to work as well, but you maybe could be creative or maybe you have those beers on hand and you could take a lot of pictures of them. So, but I mean, like you said, find low competition or find competitors, find those low competition keywords where sites are ranking that don't have many links. Maybe the content isn't even that great. And there are so many of them. There, there are so many sites, especially if you start doing long tail keyword research, those, those just pop to the top. And then you can, like you said, find the competitors, love your method to combine all the metrics and just get a unified number. Uh, you could find 
really strange metrics if you if you look where hrefs hates a site but maybe moz loves it so the da is really high because there's yeah. a few links that moz really likes for some reason so yeah we try and average it out yeah the average it out a little bit gives it a little bit mm-hmm. more but but the beer brewing one's great as well right because it could be courses as well down the road like youtube channel definitely um products uh you know that you could either affiliate for or or create or you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's quite a lot of scope there how come you haven't done a beer site yet but yeah you know what <laughs> i i have thought about it and then our um i think mutual friends otis over there uh odys with the age domains at least they're my friends over there i, I know you guys worked with them in the past but Mm-hmm. There are a number of beer related uh, domains over there and I I've been covering them and I thought oh, maybe I should just buy all of them. <laughs> and then, and there's several like homebrew beer sites too. I have a few friends in it, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where I, I have just a few too many projects already. And then if I added one where I was potentially forced to drink, then well, <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to finish everything I need to finish. So, so yeah, it could be, it could be someday. I, I have talked to my friend, uh, Matt Javanisi, who has a site called brew cabin. And I, I've told him a couple of times, like, Hey, if you do, if you do a podcast or you do like interviews for the YouTube channel, then I'll sit in, uh, I could be a co-host on, on a show or something, but yeah, I, uh, no plans in the future for anything beer related. Funny <laughs> enough. Cool. All right. So let's move on to link building. And you guys have a couple services over there. I've been uh, part of the shotgun skyscraper campaign for, you know, met many months and got so many links, so many awesome links. So any observations on the link building front, what, what's changed perhaps? Yeah, I think in terms of um, like yeah, shotgun skyscraper in particular. That I guess not a lot has changed in the last six months for that, but that's because a lot changed in the year prior to that. In that, you know, when we first launched the service, it was quite easy to kind of get free links. Um, we could get quite a lot of free links, uh, quite a high percentage of free links. In it really depends on the niche, but you know, in some niches we were getting seventy percent free links as part of uh, outreach, whereas you know. A lot of the time now you have to pay for a link in some capacity. Uh, you, you can't, you know, is, is, people have just become more savvy, savvy, even in uh, the niches historically that, that they weren't necessarily savvy. So in, in that time, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a much, much lower percentage of free links that we can get. Um, so we kind of been living that kind of world. We kind of changed the pricing of our service a little bit to kind of to, to cater for that. Um, that that changed that, you know, there was much more uh, expenditure that we needed to do in terms of uh, paying for links than we, than we historically needed to do, but it's still a great, it's still a great way to find, uh, you know, good opportunities. Um, and it still works out, you know, a, a pretty good value compared to uh, other kind of outreach methods. And you now I always like shotgun as well, because it's not just picking kind of from a database, you know, they, they have different kind of needs, um, the, the guest posting and then the niche edits and you know you, you there's advantages to both but you know when you're doing outreach um and you're picking up from finding sites that 
um, are just genuine genuine sites and getting links from those that's just uh, great you know if, if if they're kind of untouched and un, untainted by kind of a, you know more aggressive kind of link building tactics so do you have any tips for finding those kind of sites that are not going to ask for a payment? <laughs> no, because there's not many left now. If you've got any tips, that'd be great. But like, no, they, yeah. I mean, we just do, I mean, we're doing uh, outreach kind of at scale with, with shotgun skyscrapers. We reach out to a, a lot of websites, but there's just, there's just not many that, that do it. I mean, you, we still get free links. I mean, there's still a, you know, a, a percentage links. I, I can't remember what that is now, but it maybe it's ten percent, something along those lines, that will get free links for us. Um, but it, again, it depends again a little bit on the niche. But okay, um, yeah, I wouldn't say <laughs> the way that we did the, the outreach. There's no particular way of kind of getting, knowing that you're going to be able to get a free link from somebody. Gotcha. So, so roughly ninety percent of the links are paid in some capacity. Yeah. Okay. Um, generally, um, it's mixed. So, I mean. It's, Things like you know, uh, gambling or CBD niches—it's just a hundred percent, and they charge you a lot more. Whereas others, just if you know, especially if, if it's a guest post or something like that, then you know, people are uh, just want some payment for their time to upload the post. So it's not always a, a lot that people are asking for; they just want to cover their costs to a certain extent or cover their time. So yeah, it's yeah, it's mixed. What's the average, would you say, that you're paying for like a shotgun skyscraper where it's like primo content, it is link worthy? How much you pay in those sites? So, yeah, I mean, what, what's worth pointing out there is that there's only so much we can pay to kind of fit within the service. So there are other opportunities. You know, our basic package is seven nine five uh, a month, so we can't go paying two or three hundred dollars. A month for a link because that just wouldn't <laughs> would be nothing left so um so our average is probably um, a bit skewed to what you probably should pay and the and the average but we we, we tend to pay 25 30 dollars on average um for links um but we, we're trying to find the the good links at that price kind of thing so and they do exist and so are those ones where they were people were they were free before and now they charge a little bit. This, they can still be great links, but they're just charging you $25 for it when actually probably it's worth a lot more. But they've kind of just stepped from free to a small amount, a small payment. Whereas the, so what, what we do with our, our clients is that we don't let any link pass by though. So if there is a link that's that's $80 or $100, then we will we'll put it on our client sheet and say, this link's a great link. It's well worth the $80, $100, but you know, we can't, we can't get it for you as part of this service because of the pricing. But, you know, if you want to go ahead and pay it for yourself, we can kind of just get it placed for you if you want to pay the extra. So, yeah, that that's, that, yeah, so that's why, just right. caveat there on like what we pay on average, like that, you, you probably, you probably should be a lot higher than that, but you would be if you were doing it yourself. Okay. Got it. How many emails company wide are you sending out per day, for example? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so it works out like well, we haven't worked it out for a while, to be honest. So but we we take we we're sending more like just yeah. So I think you know I think broadly like if we say a million a month, that's probably fair. Um, maybe a, maybe a few more, but that includes follow ups as well. So that's not new, um, all new emails. So we do we do generally do two follow ups as part of any 
outreach exercise. Um, so yeah, uh, around about a million, I would say. Okay. Well, that's a lot of emails, man. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. What what um, app do you use if you want to give them a, a plug? Although I'd hate to have the internet be flooded with even more emails. <laughs> but yeah, what what do you use to send all those emails? Yeah, so it's, we're using Mailshake. Um, we we moved to Hunter's tool for a little while, but we found the delivery rate, which wasn't as good. And um, Hunter. Is a generally is, it was originally started started as a tool for um, uh, finding email addresses. So you put it, you basically plug in the URL and it'll tell you all the URL, tell you all of the emails that it knows. It essentially scrapes the web for email addresses full time, and any emails it finds, it'll just assign it to that domain. So um, and then they 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 provided as part of that service for free a email marketing tool, just very similar to Mailshake. We started using it, and it just it just wasn't getting us the same results. So we flipped back, and we're paying again for Mailshake. Um, so yeah, that's the tool we used. We did I can't even remember what the name of the tool now. We had to look at another uh, one of the more expensive tools, which I could remember what it's called now. But again, that just wasn't it wasn't going to be a right fit for like kind of what we wanted and the volume that we were going to send. So we sent through Mailshake. We use a mail email uh, warm up service now, um, which we hadn't done. For a while, we used to just start very, very slowly and ramp it up very, very slowly. Um, now we use a, a, a warm-up service. Um, for people that don't know what that is, essentially it will it will start sending emails on your behalf, but also receiving emails on your uh, for you. And it will when you send emails, they've basically got a network of mailboxes, like hundreds of mailboxes. You send emails to these email addresses through the API. They, they will automatically reply to those emails and they will, if your email goes into spam, they'll dig it out of spam as well. And that, that's kind of all automated. So just to gain some kind of credibility and some trust because you don't want to get caught up with spam filters. So, you know, we sign on a client. Generally, the shotgun skyscraper takes a month of setup. So we, we have a month of mailbox warm up in that time where you know we've had interactions and things going back and forwards and our emails moved out of spam. So by the time we're doing outreach, we should get a much higher and longer term delivery. You know, over time, like a, the deliverability of any mailbox is going to go down. So we continue to run the warm-up service. It still goes down, just goes down a lot more slowly. That blows me away. I didn't know that there were <clears> now <throat> services to warm up email addresses for no no offense, but spammers out there sending out a bunch of garbage <laughs> emails. No, again, no no per, it's not personally directed at you it's how marketing works but the the market size is so big that services now send bullshit emails to each other <laughs> or to emails to bullshit accounts so that they can now send emails and have them delivered it's hilarious but i mean it shows the ingenuity of the industry and then people are thinking oh the, here's a problem that we can solve by automating bullshit email accounts to each other. Hilarious. <laughs> How much does the service cost to warm up the email quite, address? So it's not actually that bad. Like it used to be uh, like the, most of them were really quite expensive because I think there's a lot of infrastructure that, that goes on behind the scenes. And it used to be, uh, I wish I could remember the pricing, but it was something that was almost too expensive. It was like $79 a month or something for one mailbox, which is just a lot. Well, we've managed to find one that's a lot cheaper um, and it's working quite well for us. It's kind of a, more of a new kid on the block. I can't remember offhand. It's sure. like, it's like 10, 
10 20 instead of okay. you know, what, what a lot of the others charge oh man well business idea for anyone out there who has uh more more time than than money you could probably do it manually set up some pretty simple filters and send some emails back and forth crazy okay Sorry, we went down that rabbit hole. Okay, so we were, we were talking about link building. Any other sort of general uh, observations? I know you also do guest posting and the niche edits as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I think that that part of the business hasn't changed much um, over the years. I think um, still people are more savvy. People. Probably the average price is kind of going up in terms of what people are charging, just again, because people are becoming more savvy and knowing what the value of a link is. But we've been running that service for like six six months or so. Generally, digital PR seems to be a buzz buzz term. Again, uh, like it's digital PR has been around for as long as I've been doing SEO, like 10, 15 years, you know. But again, it's kind of, it's kind of come around full circle. And I think it's just, you know, people's desire to kind of get some you know, I think with the the rise of Haro as well, which you know you, you talk about quite a lot and your, with your course and everything, you know that's one way to kind of get in contact with a reporter. But you know, there's there's many many other ways of doing that. You know, social media gives us a lot of access. There's reporter kind of database services that you can kind of pay for, where you can kind of pitch to them, uh, pitch to reporters and things. So there's there's lots of um, you know opportunities. I guess they weren't there like ten years ago. Like ten ten years ago to actually get in front or get to talk to or get in contact with an actual reporter from a decent, you know, from a decent newspaper or a news or a pub- publication, then it was really hard to, to do that almost well, virtually impossible. But now, you know, there's just, there's just so much more access. And I think probably the r- rise of that. And it, I think it's good for reporters as well, because reporters, they want an easy life. They, they want, <laughs> they've got, they're busy. They've got deadlines. They, they, they need to get a story out quick they need to find the people the the experts or the people that are knowledgeable in that field quickly i think it's a mutually beneficial thing that actually it's easier for people to for, the, for those two worlds to kind of connect with each other but definitely digital pr p- people are focusing more on for those kind of you know f- higher quality links it's kind of more manual it's definitely something that you have to kind of do by hand like you did with haro but um, but you know the reward could be can be really good for people and actually, me too. What what are the activities and deliverables that digital PR encompasses, or at least in your definition? So I think it's. I mean, it's similar, except that you're you're doing outreach. You're doing outreach to reporters, or you know, in in, in terms of Haro, then you're waiting. You're waiting for the reporter to come to you. Generally, so you're sitting there waiting for them to request experts, and hopefully, it can kind of fit with your niche or fit with one of your niches or something like that and and hopefully you can pick up from time to time but and then there's there's literally kind of the pitching story so i think the other thing that goes with digital pr is thinking about what's the time of year and what's topical right now you know one one i haven't done a lot of digital pr myself but i know that one thing that people always look for is okay well what's coming up okay like the fourth of, oh, of july is coming up so fourth of july is coming up so what let's look at last year this is kind of a little tip. I, I don't know where I picked it up from. So sorry, whoever said this is an idea, but like, uh, but like, uh, look at, take a look at what publications did last 4th of July and find out, look at who the reporter was for that publication. Who wrote that article? Who was the reporter? Because the chances are they've got that job again this year 
or you know they're, they're the right person so if you can get ahead of the game and say three weeks ahead of the fourth of the july fourth of july you and and you know you obviously you want to originally search for niches that that fit with you but you search for niches with you see what they see see what they did or if it's a general news site or whatever you're going for and then you can kind of go okay well they did the top 10 i don't know whatever's for fourth of july um and 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 maybe i can we, you know we can be one of those and they had like expert things so actually reaching out to them three weeks early and say we've got this you know they think this would be great for your fourth of july roundup people that'd be great because like you're ahead of the game They've got one out of their 10 they need to get, and they only need to get nine more. Um, and that can be quite good, I think. And and, and you, you kind of know the person to reach out to because they <laughs> they did it last year. So looking for those kind of key dates throughout the year can kind of be a really good way of really smart. kind of opportunities. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, that's brilliant. And, you know, you could probably reach out on social media in some capacity, wherever that person reporter is, you know, most active, probably Twitter, not necessarily though. Very cool. All right. And I'm going to throw a few different link building ideas at you as well. I recently wanted to experiment a little with like forum link building and I've, I've heard of it for years and I knew someone, Mm -hmm. you know, four, five years back, that was sort of like their primary link building method. And it worked great. They would actually get a little referral traffic, but it also was helpful as far as rankings. And I've, I've never done it. So I hired a few people on Upwork and some were terrible, some were okay. I don't have any actual results because it's been like too fresh, but Looking through some of the links actually will bring in a little bit of traffic. Some of them were silly. They mm-hmm. would hide the links in like a period or a blank space so that <laughs> right. so that the link wouldn't be detected and kicked out as spam. So wide range. So forum link building. Mark, have you checked this out before? Have you heard people that have used it successfully? Uh yeah, a long time ago, I guess. Like um the problem with forums is then they're generally no follow links. So um, they're not going to be carrying much juice with them. Um, it's not something I've looked at or tried for a long time. Um, but if you, if you can find the right forums, I guess, for, for referral traffic and you, then that, that I could see, definitely see how that would be good. But <clears throat> I can imagine you try having to get a lot to find the, the one that's like, gets you a decent amount of traffic. So, um, in terms of link juice, I would say it's probably not that good, and definitely, definitely wouldn't recommend hiding links and in, in periods or in uh, spaces because that's not going to do nothing. <laughs> that's not going to do very good for your an- your anchor links. Sorry, your anchor profile um, on yeah. your on your site. So um, you don't really want to be doing that. So. Right, it's yeah, but, funny um, too. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I, on a site a few years ago, I was seeing links coming in that had either a period or blank anchor text. And I think it was like negative SEO. Someone was just sending links to a particular site of mine. I couldn't figure out why I was getting links with weird anchor text and why they were showing up in such high percentages. But I think that Mm. was why. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think, I mean, the the other thing is there just to, I think it's okay to do it as part of the mix. Like, but you know, with all of these things, you don't want to be doing, you don't want to be doing a hundred percent of that, like uh forum press. So if it's a, if it's a small percentage, then that probably looks 
genuine and probably helps to some extent help your helps your backlink profile look genuine instead of just buying you know loads and loads of dr60 plus uh guest posts or links when you've <laughs> you haven't got a nice split across the range and a mix of no follow and do follow but you want to but yeah I, yeah, I'd love to see your results. Uh, I, I'd imagine it has little effect in terms of organic traffic or, or organic boost, but maybe some referral traffic. Yeah, I, well, like, like normal, there are too many variables and I don't think I'm going to actually be able to tease out what happened. So I have probably a few few weeks where I maybe can see, but I know some of some of the bad links, which were clearly not that great, are not going to help. But some of the forums were fairly active, and I did select topics that lended themselves to being in forums, so people could take that. I can't be too specific, but it was a good topic to be in various forums, and I think because of that some of them may be okay. And then, you know, I hired four random people from Upwork to do it. So like I said, some of them were doing like really weird things and others, they, they were on top of it. They have, you know, a database of forums that are good. Some of them are do follow, uh, funny enough, but mm-hmm. okay. So that's forum link building. Next, <clears throat> blog commenting. So I actually have a video out there that's several years old. Uh, with blog commenting and it is, you know, one of those videos that people do search for and it, it shows up. So from, I'll, I'll give my quick comment about blog commenting. I don't think (laughs) that you're going to rank just from putting some blog comments out there. And I, I don't recommend that people put in their link in the comment unless it's super hyper relevant in answering a question that someone literally asked because it's probably not going to work, but blog commenting, do you have any thoughts on that one, Mark? I think it's similar. It's similar to a forum in some way. So like generally again, the comments are no follow the, the, all of all of the tools are kind of set up that way. So, you know, WordPress comments, you set that up by default, all the links will be no follow in there. I think it's, it, it's very similar to, to forum link building. Like I think, Okay, it's okay as part of the mix. You're not going to get great results, I don't think, in terms of getting link juice passed over. And even with forums or with comments, I think even if it is a do follow, you know, Google knows what what sites are forum and what sites and 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 what's comments uh, on a blog post. So even if it is do follow, I imagine that it's probably devalued anyway um, to a certain extent. So um, I think it's okay. I think if you can kind of get some referral traffic from it because it's it's going to be useful um from but like, like you're saying you probably don't want to put the link in the comment either so you're, you're probably putting the link on the on your profile name or something like that so are people going to click on that and click through i, I don't know so i uh, i think my opinion is probably is probably little value uh, in 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 that as well but i would yeah I'd, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I haven't tried it for a long time it's something that used to work um right but i i, I don't know anymore yeah, and, and I think unless you're getting referral traffic, I think even a no-follow link with referral traffic is going to have some value. So if you actually have someone comment on a blog, or actually don't hire anyone, but if someone commented on a blog and put your link in there because it was a really good one and then a lot of the readers followed it, that's probably a pretty good link. And I, I mean, I've had that happen. 
it's been a long time ago though. I mean, people just don't comment as much. You're probably more likely to have someone share your, your post or whatever it is in Facebook <clears throat> versus anything else or, you know, Pinterest, for example. So very cool. Well, any other uh, link building thoughts on your mind? No, I think that's it. I mean, the other thing that, that is, the other thing that I, I kind of do sometimes with some of my sites is um, think about um, you know, having, uh, you know, building up that kind of, as uh, that, that, as McDiggity would say, like that social fortress where, you know, you've, you're starting out a brand new business and kind of what does that look like? Kind of links with a new business kind of set up. So like directory kind of listings and uh, kind of setting up social media profiles. I pretty much always set up some social media profiles for any site that I, that I start. So I'll set up like a Facebook profile, Pinterest profile, and, and do some put some posts on there and, and things like that. And just not necessarily, it might not take it any further than that, but at least it's kind of got some social profiles. If you want to go really far, you can kind of get uh, a Google business kind of account as well and, and really take it to the next level. But um, which I, I, a domain I acquired actually it used to be a real, a real business and um, it already had a Google My Business associated with it. So I just claimed that and um just just change the address on it the address you know i get the card comes through to me and i just put the pin in and now i've got like a google my business associated with that with that uh niche site um so there's things like that i think which are which are good which kind of make, all of these things again not going to give you much value in terms of juice or yeah because they're all going to be the directory listings are not going to be you know to follow links and, and stuff but um again it just makes you kind of look more genuine and it makes your real pro your your backlink profile just a bit more rounded in general. I'm going to backtrack just a touch and ask about the metrics that you look at for the shotgun skyscraper. So whether it's <clears throat> the domain rating or authority or the, maybe the amount of estimated organic traffic per month. This low. Yeah. I mean, we use uh, a bunch of, a bunch of, we do, we have due diligence on every link that we build for our clients. So there's a ton of uh, checks. I think, I think it's kind of 17 kind of checks that can be done almost like by um, just looking at data. And then there's kind of some other checks kind of just only the human eye can kind of do and, and check for, but we'll do things like we'll check um, uh, Wayback Machine and we'll go through every single year in Wayback Machine and check that the site was never used for one like purposes we just wouldn't want to be associated. So like Viagra or porn or, or, or stuff like that. But also, you know, has it flipped between has somebody started a pet site and then someone turned it into a finance site and then it's become a pet site again, like has it gone and got confused, a confused backlink profile. So we kind of look at the backlinks, we check that they're, they are relevant to kind of the site that we're kind of proposing that we're going to, to start. So, um, do we have that kind of relevancy? So if we do start that site, we've got good good relevant backlinks. We do we do check DR. But again, you know, we take that amongst kind of a, you know a lot of other things. We don't we don't necessarily have a bottom yeah in terms of the D, the DR. So we don't have. I'm just thinking about it in terms of the shotgun skyscraper. Rather than I was thinking about inspired domains there, but in terms of shotgun skyscraper, yeah, I mean we use that as a kind of a, a gauge. Um, it's just a metric, but we. Uh, generally don't go for domains that are above like a DR80 in terms of shotgun skyscraper because they're just huge sites that are never going to generally never going to give you a backlink just from an out outreach email. So it's just a wasted email. It's kind of diminishing returns. 
So we'll we'll do that. We'll look at anchor text um, to make sure there's nothing there. We, we look at traffic. There's a, a minimum uh, 100 uh, sessions in uh, 100 in terms of traffic in Ahrefs um, for our shotgun skyscraper and a thousand for our guest posts and niche edits. Um, that number's a low a low estimate generally in Ahrefs anyway. So you know it's that the actually traffic levels are a lot higher than that. So um, yeah, we have we we have that. We also look at the the ratio of inbound links and outbound links. Um, so if it's got a much much higher percentage of outbound links, you know the suggestion is there that it's used as a, a link farm, um, and that's kind of their business. And they've got and, and and if we can identify that, then Google can identify that, and are probably either are probably going to lower the value of that link. So it's probably not worth us paying for or, or even just pursuing getting that link because it's not going to be worth it. There's a few things, but there's there's that's probably mm-hmm. <laughs> that's about five out of sort of seventeen that we're kind of looking at. And for the outbound to inbound link ratio, do you recall like roughly what you're looking for there? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it, I mean, it can be quite high, like the number of links outbound. So I think if we've got 15% inbound versus outbound, um, then that's, that's fine. We're not looking for 50, 50 or anything of that nature. Um, okay. but if it's 15% in, uh, inbound versus outbound, that's fine. But to 15%, yeah, is that what you said? Okay. Yeah, fifteen's fine. Now you don't have to go. It doesn't have to, like I say, it doesn't have to be fifty-fifty. But fifteen percent is fine. Um, but you just don't want to. You know what we do find is that you know you you can get ninety-eight, ninety-nine percent kind of outbound links, and then then that's a kind of more of a problem. It's pretty clear. Yeah, and and you do run across those link farms. I've tested many services out there, and occasionally you just see like a site that only publishes guest post and they basically have no links coming in. So, okay. Very interesting. And then sort of uh, wrapping it up and final, another hard question where I'm going to ask you about metrics or guidelines and what you look for, for those aged or expired domains. Yeah. So um, again, there's kind of a similar number of kind of metrics and similar stuff that we're looking for here because um, you know, when it comes down to, so, um, we look at uh, DR, and we take that as it is. We, we look at trust flow, but then you know we take that with a pinch of salt as well. Like if it's got a lowish trust flow, flow, but everything else looks good, then then you know that's that could be fine. You know if we manually check the backlink profile and the trust looks good to us, then that's good. Again, we're looking at anchor text um, to make sure again that the site hasn't got a, a bad history. Um, we are looking at yeah like historical traffics like quite a good thing. We're, um, we're looking at Wayback Machine to kind of get an, an idea of like what the site was historically. Will it, will it, will it fall in line with a, a niche that we're going to monetize through ads or affiliate? Um, is that something that we can kind of, or, or can we steer it and adapt it to, to be that um, based on what it was before and based on its backlink profile? I haven't got them to like to handle the, the stuff that we, I mean, we, Adam and I go for it all the time. So you, you can use um in SEMrush as well, there's a, a there's kind of a, quite a nice view when you look at the backlink an, uh, analysis, where it kind of tells you what it thinks that the backlink profile looks like, and there's also it gives you an idea of what relevance the current site was on there, if there is a current site, or what if it's a recently expired domain, it'll tell you what it thought uh, the the site was about. So it kind of gives you kind of an idea from a machine's point of view, kind of what it thought uh, that site was about, and, and what it is about uh, in terms of the profile, uh, backlink profile. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Got it. Well, and just as the example in case study that you mentioned before, where you got a site that's now getting something like 120,000 visitors per month in six months or so, I had a DR of 12. So metrics wise, it didn't look that impressive, but <clears throat> it must be highly relevant in, in the right uh, sort of backlink profile and low competition keywords. So if you have the right mix together, the actual metrics may not matter as much. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's this value even just having an aged a domain that's aged, right? I mean, because you're skipping that sandbox period, you're skipping the first six to nine months. When I've started with new domains, quite often, even at that, you see kind of different jumps at the time. But even at that two year point, quite often you almost see like a second sandbox. Whereas you get the first one, which is the biggest one, and then you get a second one. Quite often around that two year mark, where you see another like uplift so you know if you take that you know google's probably not trusting you fully for two years um from a new domain and, you, and the handbrake's always slightly on um whereas if you um you know with an working with an expired domain it might have that domain might have already been around for 20 years it's got plenty of uh, trust it's been aged they even just buying a domain with a low authority is going to serve you better um you just got to watch out for the right things and not get caught yeah, picking up the wrong kind of domain because it's 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 very easy to do if you're to the untrained eye. Right. Very cool. Well, any other thoughts, Mark, before we wrap it up? I don't think so, Doug. Is there, I think we covered a lot there. So, yeah, thanks, thanks for thanks for this today. Awesome. Where can people find you? They can head over to uh, nichewebsite.builders or nichewebsite.builders, depending on which part of the world you come from. Um, there on there, you'll you'll find uh, you know all of our services. You can go to our Facebook pages, which is uh, Niche uh, Website Builders is one of them. Um, so just straight straight the same as the company name, and then Niche Website Flippers is the other one for people who like to find opportunities to buy and sell uh, websites. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel and a podcast. Um, so if you head over to the website. Uh, click on the podcast and that'll have all the links off to our YouTube channels and podcasts as well, depending on what app you use for that. All right. We'll put links out there so it's easy for everyone to check out your stuff. And thanks, Mark. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Doug. Thanks a lot to Mark. Really appreciate him taking the time out. It's always good to catch up with him and Adam over at Niche Website Builders. And I just want to give a little report on the Shotgun Skyscraper campaign that they were running for me for close to a year. So there were a few different posts that they published for me. I think either three or four of them. I can't remember exactly. They ended up landing about 98 links for me, which is pretty amazing. And quick note, Mark alluded to this, but they did change the offering. So for the first few months that I was working with them, once we ramped up, there were a couple months where I was getting uh, somewhere between 16 to 19 links per month. And this was after a certain ramp up period, because I think if you launched a site and all of a sudden you were getting 20 links per month from fairly big sites, so it maybe would seem a little bit odd. So after things ramped up, 
I started getting a lot more links. Now, as Mark mentioned, they reframed the offering and changed it so that there was a sort of a general guideline on how many links you're going to get per month. So it could change in the future. I'm not, I'm, I won't even mention whatever it is right now, but you can go check over at Niche Website Builders. And I am an affiliate. So if you sign up, I do get a commission, which is great. I really appreciate it if you sign up. And I guess, you know, given the fact that I worked with them for about a year on this campaign, I uh, I liked the work that they were doing. They were some pretty epic links. I think the average uh, domain rating was something like uh let me let me check here i can pull up the report looking at the full 98 links here the average domain rating was about 45 pretty wide range i mean some were in the single digits very few but looking at the report i see one was a seven and one of them was a pretty low also like a six and then of course when you're working with averages, some of them are pretty darn high. So the early ones were in the 70s, mid-70s, high 70s. So anyway, I like the shotgun skyscraper. And uh, the fact is, I have a lot of links from that campaign, about 100 of them. These are do-follow links, very relevant. They're going to informational topics. And then I'm able to link within my own site from those Uh, skyscraper pieces of content. So the reason why I've stopped is I have quite a few of those links and I kind of want to diversify and get some other links to different areas. And I think that is probably a, a key thing. It's nice to have different kinds of links going to different kinds of pieces of content in a more natural way versus if you just looked at a site and there are you know, clearly sort of links being built to certain pages in a very strategic way that could leave, um, you know, I don't want to say a footprint that's suspect because these are actually good pieces of content. And I could tell you is I have spent more time publishing online and I have sites that people want to get links from. There are some legit sites, legit you know, PR, digital PR that is going on where people will reach out to me and see if they can maybe write a guest post, if they can get a link from a certain piece of content on my site that's really relevant for their site. So it's it's kind of normal, even though Google doesn't love it. It is a thing that goes on. I've been getting pitches from pretty big sites here recently, um, which again, I think is normal. There are PR agencies out there. So that said, for this particular site, I have, you know, almost a hundred links from shotgun skyscraper campaigns, and I'm looking to get some other links in the mix. Part of that is like Haro link building. Part of that is guest posting. And one area that I sort of neglected, and I'm going to talk about this uh, potentially in some upcoming episodes, is links to the homepage. So when I talked to uh, Kyle Claver a couple weeks ago. He emphasized getting enough links to the homepage. And I realized on this particular site, which I 
It is anonymous. I haven't mentioned it, but this particular site, I didn't get that many links to the homepage with branded anchor text, which is really important. So there were a few that showed up, but most of the links are going to the shotgun uh, posts, these shotgun pieces of content, or I guess skyscraper pieces of content. Hopefully I wasn't saying that wrong the whole time. Anyway, the point is I realized I probably should send some links to the homepage so that is what I'm doing with branded anchor text or something similar. Sometimes a naked URL, but generally branded anchor text. So anyway, Shotgun Skyscraper, great way to diversify your backlink profile, especially if you have only been doing guest posts or if you've only been doing a certain kind of link building. It'll be great to have something else in the mix so it looks more natural. Okay, I could drone on and on about that. But if you have questions about link building or honestly, if you have any feedback or comments or questions about some of the stuff that Mark talks about, feel free to shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show and definitely go check out niche website builders. I'll catch you on the next episode.